0: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlotta.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So, before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my four simple tips on self love. You see, so many people are looking for love, and what they do not realize is that they need to learn to love themselves first in order to have a healthy, loving relationship with someone else or their soulmate. In a Psychology Today article by April Eldemeyer stated that more self love will attract healthier relationships. So tip number one is forgive yourself and others. When you are holding on to bitterness for someone else or for yourself, forgiveness is essential. Remember, forgiveness is letting go of the bitterness so you are free to love instead. Tip number two, stop comparing yourself. So often we compare ourselves to others wishing we had someone else's looks, their money, their relationship, the car, the house. But when you compare yourself to someone else, All you're doing is reinforcing that you're not good enough and you are good enough. Tip number three, stop criticizing yourself. That critical voice in your head is sabotaging any chance to love yourself and to love someone else. Instead, talk to yourself like you are talking to a child that is upset, being gentle and compassionate. And lastly, tip number four, accept yourself. You need to work on accepting yourself exactly the way you are. Understand and know that you are perfect. So if you'd like to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. So thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today's guest is Sonia Lewis. More than 30 years in the making, Sonia is a former high school teacher and took a leap of faith to establish Ascribe Educational Consulting, giving life to her vision and dreams of educational equity. Her work as an anti-racism impact activist and equity broker is in alignment with the ultimate goal of marrying educational equity and social justice, so humanity and belonging can stand boldly front and center of any team. This is such an important conversation, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Sonia. How are you doing today?
2: I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me on to have this conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm so looking forward to this. So, I read a little bit about you. You were a former school teacher mm-hmm. and then you started your ascribe consulting. Now, yeah. what led you? What what is your story leading up to that? Just so that the the audience can can, you know, get your story and and why you, you know, had to have this passion to do what you do.
2: Absolutely. Well, I will tell you, it started way before I became a teacher. I was a very observant and just, I don't want to say a rebellious kid, but very observant. And when things didn't set right with me, I called, you know, things out. I kind of was blunt and understood and and, um, saw things for what they were. And even if they were adult issues, I asked questions. And so as a seven-year-old, I was that kid who questioned, why are we saying the Pledge of Allegiance if there's no liberty and justice for people who look like me? My mom was very intentional in sending us to schools that were primarily white, um, thinking that we would get a better education, which most of the times we did. Um, however, um, at age seven, I caused a little ruckus in school by not saying the pledge. And it led to me beginning my journey of questioning things. And I can remember even being in high school and um, being accepted into Berkeley and Stanford, and one of my instructors who worked really hard to um, help me get into these colleges and universities told me that I was practicing reverse racism because I chose to go to a historically black college. So I knew early on that there, this concept of equity was a thing. I just had didn't have the words to articulate it. And so a natural thing for me was to go into education. I have a degree in history and psychology. And then I have a master's degree in education with a focus on curriculum development. And so I taught for 18 years. Um, it was beautiful. It was fun. And then I was forced to become a whistleblower because oftentimes school um, politics um, is more important than what the teachers need and what the students need. And so I then left um, teaching and began to just focus on all of the things that parents and students asked me to focus on when they would call me in my private time, and that was student equity. And so that has led me over a decade now of being in business for myself and trying to find ways to find equity in education, in um, social justice arenas, and just providing folks with access to information.
1: Yeah. Wow. That That is pretty bold as a seven-year-old, and I'm so glad that you did that, because
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are probably around the same age, and, and I know my experience, mm-hmm. there was not justice for all, not in any way, shape, or form.
2: Right.
1: So... So, talk about some of the programs that you offer and and just explain you know what your your biggest obstacle is let's just start there because i yeah. that there's that's probably a longer conversation
2: <laughs> It is but in a nutshell, what we do at ascribe is we do two things twofold. we started off offering programs when young people were getting ready to leave high school and how we would assist in their matriculation from high school to the real world, be that the world of career and being job ready, or be that going to and and, um, getting access to colleges and universities, as well as scholarships. Financial um, support for these endeavors is high. And so we wanted to make sure that there was equity in the recipients getting money to support that dream. And so that's where we started off. And then I would be asked by universities and and school districts to come in, can you reproduce what you're doing with the students in community? Can you do that for our school site or create a creative program for us? And so it led me to writing curriculum and, and developing programs that were very specific to the needs of their clientele. And then that led me to being asked by administrators and teachers, can you come in? You have a pretty good eye on equity. Can you come in and help us fill, you know, try to figure our way through um, filling the gaps where inequity is showing up? And so that became a pivot after about three or four years of being into business. I will tell you that the hard part about what we do now is probably um, convincing folks that you can't do this from an approach of DEI. And DEI, if you're familiar, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Oftentimes organizations will call folks in to facilitate some professional development and they will do, you know, it'll be a one-time seminar, one to three hours and folks will get a certificate and you think that, oh, we've done our work for the year and we're diverse because we have people of different backgrounds. But the reality is if DEI, in my opinion, this is what, you know, my studies have shown and this is what my observation in the field has shown, is that if DEI were working in the workplace, We wouldn't have the very blatant but implicit biases and racist tendencies that show up in the workplace. And so I come in as an anti-racist impact strategist, and we work on strategic plans that will cause organizations to have culture shifts and climate shifts so that it's long lasting. And then you can actually say to your crew when you hire someone on, we are an anti-racist work environment and learning environment. And so it's, it's the convincing folks that the time is now. We can't wait any longer.
1: No, no, we cannot. Absolutely. So how do you fill the gaps?
2: You know, I start off with some very basic concepts. You know, if there, if I'm in a room that is pri- primarily um, um, not diverse and, and leading by the, the typical norm, um, especially of white men in corporate America, the conversation is like, this is not about blame and shame, and this is not about an individual. Like, the folks, us who are alive right now, we didn't cause the problem that we're living with and trying to oppose um, at this moment. We are the offspring, right? And so either you're benefiting from the laws and the procedures that are put in place, or you are being denied access. And so I, I frame it from that perspective. I also frame it from a sense of I don't want to create a, a, a dichotomy of blame and change because it's no one's fault in the room that they are in this situation. The fault lies in when we know better, we take the opportunity to do better. And doing better is one, I, I have these four A's. One, we, can we agree that racism exists in this country? Typically, I'll get 70, 80% of folks in a room that will say, yes, racism exists. Then I'll say, can you acknowledge that racism has impacted certain people in our, in our country, in our society in a negative way? And I'll get, you know, around the same, you know, a percentage of folks that will say, yeah, I can acknowledge that. And then I'll ask people, can we align our mission and vision, and who we serve based on the acknowledgement that racism impacts people negatively. And that's where the discomfort starts to set in, because people automatically begin to fear that you're taking something away from them, when the reality is, it's not about taking away anything. We live in a very rich resource country. And so if we can lean on the fact that there's enough for everyone to survive, why not share the wealth? And so that's the convincing part, but going through some activities and some strategies that I present along, and I and I put on my teacher hat, right? I put on my teacher hat and I say, hey, w- grief, we need to grieve the, and heal from racism because it is a loss and we all have been conditioned to believe that it's the system that we're supposed to work on. And so, you know, creating an anti-racist work environment or learning space is a matter of leveraging access for everyone. And so, you know, people are really pretty much willing to say, I care about the people I work with, so I'm willing to give them a shot at having a piece um, of the pie or a seat at the table.
1: Now, is there a fourth A? I thought you did you say three A's or four A's? There
2: is. Okay, so there, that, that's the initial <laughs> three A's. Thank you so much. Because that last A is really what the access is. And so now we want to put things in action. We want to uh, make sure that we are looking at our policies and our procedures and make sure that they are accessible to those who have been the most marginalized. Now, that doesn't mean that we're taking everything from someone else. We're just saying that we're leveraging the playing field. If you've ever seen the images of or the memes of um, um, these um, cartoons, it's it's a baseball scene, and you have someone who's standing on a crate because everybody... You know, if we think about equality, everybody gets a crate, right? If you show up into any classroom today and and the teacher has 30 pencils, one for each kid. But some kids may have come in with a pencil, while other kids may have not come in with a pencil. If we really and truly are, are concerned about everybody having access to the ability to do their best and show up in their best, we need to give a little bit more to those who have less. And that's how we leverage um, equity in this country, and so that last A is just really and truly about putting in action what access to the resources look like. So,
1: in general, mm-hmm. what what is the pushback that some of the people are feeling?
2: Again, I think that the pushback mostly are twofold. Mostly, it's the fear, right? The fear of the unknown. The fear that we've done it this way for so long and it's working for some people, and I would push back and say that if one person in your organization is lacking, then all people are lacking. Because when that one person doesn't feel like they belong, then they are not going to be them their best selves when they show up to your workplace, and they are not going to give you the best production. And so, if at the end of the day, any team in any any um, field, any um Um, any place in this country, if your bottom line is production, which most businesses are in business to make money, right? And so if you're at the end of the day wanting to have the best product developed from your company, you have to be interested in the talent that is in front of you. And if that talent doesn't feel like they belong, they will hate coming to work. It will not be a career and they will be waiting every day to clock out. And so I address it from that standpoint. Do we want to improve production or do we want the same conditions of the same folks being quiet because they are being marginalized within your ranks?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, it all comes down to education.
2: Yeah. And I, I truly believe that we have, we we are just living in a time where we've been conditioned to believe some things and that 90% of people that I run into um are just, unconscious of the fact that they've allowed these implicit biases to uh, be a part of their psyche and so it's just about reprogramming and again I stress the fact that this is not a one and done you know kind of professional development that can be offered to change these things these things take time and so I anyone who's listening to this podcast if you're interested in doing any work along the um, line of um, DE&I or anti racism work, give yourself grace. Like you, there, every no one will have all the answers and it's going to take time. And so that time looks like one, three, and five year waves. And I know that for some people, they want, you know, immediate gratification. It's not going to happen overnight. And we often make mistakes and we slip back to our old habits. And so we have to allow ourselves grace to reimagine what the new possibility can look like.
1: Yeah. We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself and you are worth it. So visit www.sandyscurlotta.com slash courses to sign up. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. The, the unconscious bias, that is mm-hmm. the thing that people don't realize. Because I know, Absolutely.
2: Latin, you
1: know, during the pandemic, we had a lot of things happen. Um, and, and I had conversations with close friends of mine because I wanted to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you don't know what you don't know. And I think right. that's the biggest problem we have in this country is yep. that, you know, now, granted, there are many people that are just flat out racist, period. Yeah. Um, and, you know, eventually, hopefully, they, they will see see things differently and shift their perspective. But for a lot of people, it, it, it's the unconscious bias that we just don't know what we don't know.
2: We just don't know what we don't know. And I can't I can't blame a person for not knowing. But what I can do is is give, you know, the next person grace and if I can assist in, you know, their understanding of a topic that's challenging because this is a challenge it's not easy for anyone. You know, for people of color it's labor, right? It's the labor of having to explain. But at the same time it's if we don't take the time to invest in the explanation then some folks who just don't get that you can't ask a black woman, Can I can I touch your hair? It that you can't that you can't go um to and make the assumption that um a a, a person who is of Latinx um descendant that they um automatically speak Spanish. Um that, you know, a person who is of the API community that they are good at math and And those are the assumptions, the stereotypes that show up in the workplace. Oh, you're good at this because your people are good at this and And that's not the case no No group of people are a monolith, and so I would just ask that people treat people according accordingly, and that you know individual talents show up and show out and once we do that, that's just a matter of respect um for people who have been hired. I would also tell people if you are in a position of power to hire folks to really and truly think about hiring folks who don't have the resume that looks like they would be the perfect candidate. Think about bringing someone else in because you can train people to do anything. And, and I, I want to repeat that so that folks understand that they're listening. You can train people to do anything. So having a good resume, yes, depending on the situation, your resume is good to have. But just counting someone out because they don't have the skills to do the job should not be a reason why not to give a person the opportunity.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. So it was very interesting because um a, f- a few years ago and this was my and and I have to be honest, you know, I don't know what I don't know. Well, a couple of years ago, my son's best friend and he's like a son of mine. And I'm mm-hmm. actually very close with his mother. And he he, we took him on vacation. I paid for his plane fare because he'd never mm-hmm. been to California, and and I know I'm very close with his mom, and she's a single mother of three children. And so I was like, mm-hmm. no, you're coming, you're coming with us. And he was so excited. We get on the, the plane ride back, and I didn't hear. He told the story once we got home, and he's mm-hmm. very boisterous and and funny when he talks. Right. And he was telling us the story that he goes, he gets um, on the plane, and he sits. He's in the aisle. And he's sitting next to a woman and he she immediately grabbed her purse from the floor and put her arms around it because you know and just looked at him and he's you know isaiah he's so funny and he's telling us this story about he's like i'm in a tin can box where am i gonna go i'm not stealing your purse where am i gonna go you did that just because i'm black and i stood there and we were laughing and all of a sudden I realized what had happened and I just started to cry and I just gave him a big hug because yeah. I was like, This should not happen.
2: Yeah, so I understand that we have those kind of challenges and um when those experiences happen, it's because we've all been conditioned to treat people a certain way. And unfortunately, we live in a society where it's been deemed Okay, to have those kind of behaviors. And so what I tell people that it's beliefs and behaviors shape culture and climate in any organization. And so if we're very conscious about having an understanding of what anti-racism looks like or how racism and implicit biases and microaggressions um, and gaslighting, how it shows up in the workplace, then we can address things and do things differently. But a lot of times people don't even have words to articulate that this is something that's wrong. and therefore we need to stop doing it. And so what that looks like for a lot of folks is starting with shared language. Once we have shared language down, we can go into some examples of bad behaviors. And once we have those kind of conversations, and then people can begin to learn. I tell folks all the time, don't labor people of color with trying to learn all of these things. Google is your friend. And then there are lots of folks who are, very astute and well-trained in these conversations like Robin DiAngelo, like Tim Wise, like Jane Elliott. They are masters at helping folks who are not people of color understand that there are some better ways to approach race relations. We don't wanna continue to live in a society where the norm is racialized oppression, trauma, and harm. That has to end. What I do know is that young people today are very astute, and they are savvy, and they are not going to be the same um, black and brown and indigenous folks who were living during the age of Dr. Martin King. And so if we want different results, we have to do some things differently.
1: Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, this has been such a great discussion. And I do want to share that saying my same my my son from another mother, Isaiah, he goes to the University of Kentucky. and. And and here's the flip side to that. And I just want to share it cuz it's kind of fun that he was late getting to the airport. He was coming home, you know, to see his family for the weekend. And he was wearing his University of Kentucky football jersey and he gets to the counter and he's like, oh, my gosh, I miss my flight. They're like, they're like oh, it's okay. I, I see you're on the football team. Let me just put you on another flight. And, and he told me that's right. I said, see, sometimes it's in your favor. He's like, exactly. Hey, <laughs> he yeah. goes, because I'm black and I had my jersey on, they automatically assumed I was on the football team, and they just put me on another flight yeah. without charging me extra. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, and so those are things as well, right? Because we we want to be taken for value of who we are, right? Um, yeah, there there can be some perks in 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 the way that people stereotype folks. Um, but at the same time, I want to be seen for who I am. I don't want folks to show up and say, I don't see color. Because if you don't see color, you don't see me. That's just right. like telling a woman, I don't see you as a woman. I just see you as a person who's showing up and doing the job, right? Th- that's right. But I want you to understand that as a woman, I have different needs than men do. If I have a baby, you can't treat me the same way as a man who's who, whose spouse is having a baby, right? Because even though he needs time off of his job. Women need a different kind of consideration. I don't want to have the hiccups and, and the pushback if I have to go and, and, and pump because I'm a breastfeeding mother. So things like that, when we talk about equity, has to be taken into consideration. That That's across the gamut. That comes when we're talking about disability rights. That's when we're talking about LGBTQ rights. That's when we're talking about Muslim and religious rights. We can talk about so many different intersections and And we also don't don't want to get into this dangerous territory of having oppression Olympics either. We don't need to compare our struggles. What we need to do is join forces knowing that the struggle is real so that we can fight the very thing that sees us as a target.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wow. Sonia, this has been such an amazing conversation. Uh, Your website is ascribesuccess.com, is that correct?
2: That is correct.
1: Okay, perfect.
2: And we can be followed on Facebook and Instagram as well as Ascribe Success.
1: Fantastic. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience that you haven't said?
2: You know, we are are launching, my new book will be coming out soon and it is called Monsters and Aliens. Um, it's telling the seven-year-old Sonia story and um, really is a book, a conversation starter for parents to have with their young people around being brave in moments that they think that something doesn't feel good to them, but it also gives them an opportunity to have these challenging conversations about race and difference.
1: Love it. When when will that be released?
2: It will be out top of the year 2022.
1: Fantastic. Well, great. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It is so needed in this world. And uh, I just wish you all of the best success with your programs and the the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Sonia. Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much. You as well.
1: That was such an important conversation to have. And I was so honored to have Sonia on my podcast. I hope you were given some things to think about and maybe to apply in your own life. And please check out her website at ascribesuccess.com and make sure you check out her book as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. You can learn more about me at SandyScarlotta.com. And as always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.